Boo. Okay, then. Today on Lockdown Records, <laughs> Lucas Raymond saw a dip in his production in year two. What grade does he earn, as well as grades for Robbie Fabry and Austin Zarnick? I'm not cutting that. You have to live with that being in there. You're Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley. I'm a podcast producer for the Daily J, a WWJ News Radio podcast. Well, Scotty's the host over at Lockdown Tigers, as well as a freelance journalist for the Detroit News. And Scotty, we're getting down to the end of it. We have just six players left of our criteria, at least, that we're going to give final grades on this season. And uh, today, we're going to bring you guys a fan favorite in Lucas Raymond, fourth in Calder voting in. 2022 had a bit of a dip in his production this year. We'll find out how we rank or how we grade his season this year. And then we'll also going to do Robbie Fabry uh, injury shortened year by two different injuries. Again, try our best to give him an objective grade. And then uh, Austin Zarnick, a, 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 a guy with zero expectations called up and, you know, I liked what he brought to the team. And we'll talk about that one in segment three. Um, but first Scotty, Eric Hosman, Eric Hosgame. What, five RBIs for the win? Yeah, man. Well, we're recording this. They, they play twice today, and we're recording this in the middle of two games. So game two is Max Scherzer. He might strike out 25. So uh, we're going to we're gonna take our uh, our win as we can get it. Yeah, Eric Haas, the five – the Eric Haas game, five ribbies. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. That's great to see. Uh, so let's get right into it then, Scotty, and talk about our first guy, our headliner, so to speak, in Razor, Lucas Raymond. Uh, it was his second year with the Detroit Red Wings, his sophomore season. And, you know, there's a bit of a superstition in the NHL that the second year is the slump year. They call it the sophomore slump. And, you know, compared to last year, I, I think there was some truth to that. This year he finished with playing top six minutes. Again, he finished with 45 points, uh, 28 assists, 17 goals, and 74 games played. He missed a little bit of time during to injury. He had the second worst plus minus on the team at minus 17, still nowhere near Ben Sherratt's like minus 32, but that's still not a, a healthy plus minus for a guy. And, you know, point production was only a little bit behind where he was last year. Last season with the Red Wings, he put up 57, so actually 12 points. That's quite a bit of a step down, but it, it becomes one of those things where, oh God, but last year, who's a minus 32 last year? Who Lord did not know that. I think everyone was so pumped up on the plus 57. I don't think people really uh, noticed how well, I mean, that, team that was, was the whole not, team. Yeah, that was, that team yeah. was not good. So that was the whole team, not just him. And he played a lot of minutes last year. I didn't just, yeah. that just caught me off guard seeing minus 32, but when talking about Lucas Raymond, yeah, the production took a little bit of a step down this year up until his injury though, he was on pace to set or break that uh, rookie high rookie high is not really a phrase, but that, that rookie number that he set when you, uh, evaluating Lucas Raymond's season this year. I mean, we, we talk about our expectations expectations for Lucas Raymond was try to take a step forward. Do you feel Scotty that Lucas Raymond took that step forward this year and what kind of, I guess, and obviously that would lead us to what kind of grade would you give him? You know, I, I, I thought this was just an incredibly inconsistent year and it's probably fair for a person in Raymond's position to have that inconsistent season like the first month or so of the season he got off to a really slow start 
Then he picked it up there uh, for a few months and then ended the season with, I mean, I he had from January 31st through the end of the season, he scored two goals. So like you're talking about, a, but then he had a six goal month in January. So like uh, just a really like nebs and flows season, a lot of ups, a lot of downs. Um, it, it, which makes it, I, I, you know, I said, I feel like we've said this about a lot of players, uh, but it makes it difficult to grade, especially if you're basing it off of preseason expectations. Um, I, I think when we were talking about Raymond going into the year, we were talking about him taking that step forward and getting us a little more production, especially if he was going to stay on that top line. And even with a career year from, Larkin we didn't really see a step forward from Lucas Raymond um I I think uh, and again like most of it has to do with the fact that the last three months of the season uh he he was super unproductive so it's 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 tough it's tough it's tough I'm I'm somewhere in the C range I just don't know where again um I don't. I. I feel it feels weird giving him exactly a C because I honestly I feel like this is a little bit of a. I don't want to say letdown because I still very much believe in him and I'm not like oh my goodness he had such a bad season I'm out on him. Uh, but I, I. I feel like he didn't quite live up to what a lot of people were expecting out of him going into the season. So part of me wants to go on the the lower side of the C there, but. For the first four months of the season, he was about as advertised. So it's 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 difficult kind of splitting hairs there going back and forth. Yeah, there was a three-month month stretch there where his production was really consistent. What was it 10 points in November, 8 points in uh, December, and 10 points in January. But that first month, October, yeah. not a lot of production. And then after January, his production kind of fell off altogether as well. Mm-hmm. It was, like you said, an inconsistent season. He was kind of the opposite of David Perron, where David Perron's production came early and then late in the year. Lucas Raymond's came in the middle. Like It felt like for a moment, because there was a huge discussion we were having with Cider and Raymond about sophomore slumps yeah. and whether or not like this is them or if it's just a phase. And after that start of the season, when he picked it up, we were talking about, okay, it was just a phase for Lucas Raymond. You know, this is, he's back to where his scoring ways, but it felt like after that injury, he came back and maybe, and we, we, we can use this excuse for everyone. As far as we know, he was healthy. So we kind of have to make our grade based on the assumption that he was healthy enough to play. So the expectation should remain the same. Right. But there is that thought in the back of your mind. Well, maybe he wasn't right. Because after he came back from that injury, that time missed, his production just never really recovered. He had one goal, I think it was. I have it up here. He had, uh, he had zero one goal in February, in, only played four games, then yeah, one in a full hurt. March and one in a full, you know, rest of the season of April. Yeah, 15 games in March with five points, one goal, five assists, and then seven in April with one goal and five assists. It was just the, the production really never... The goal scoring particularly, which is what you had hoped Lucas Raymond could bring a little bit more of, and I understand... You know, assists are important too. And he had plenty of those. And again, he had 45 points. So that's why it's so hard to judge him because he had such yeah. an explosive first season with the Red Wings. But our expectations, and if we're basing this conversation based on our expectations, right? I think it's fair to give him a C minus because while his production was 12 points less, 45 points as a 21 year old is still not a bad place to be. 
that's still not a b- bad place to be. For sure. But it's easy to see where there's still a lot of room for improvement. One yeah. needs to, as a five foot eleven winger, which is relatively small. I mean, I'm only five foot nine, so like I, I have no room to talk. But as an NHL forward, that's relatively small. So he's got to be able to bulk up, get stronger because he would get pushed off the puck too easily. And his defensive game still needs a lot of improvement. Early in last year, one thing we talked a lot about was how his off puck game makes his teammates around him better. He is a threat without the puck, causing the opponent to have to keep an eye out for him as well. That didn't really feel as much of a as much of a problem later in the season. So it, it with Lucas Raymond, I'm comfortable giving him that C minus because while the point production at 45 points is still impressive for a 21 year old, and there is still so much potential, and by no means am I giving up on him. He was definitely affected a little bit by the superstitious sophomore slump, and what that really means is teams figured out how he plays, and now he just needs to adjust. I want to point this out though. For the crowd that is thinking, I, I, I we don't hear it too much. This is v- definitely a vocal minority. But for people who think that like it's okay to give up on Raymond, because they are out there, and I have seen those comments, I do want to say that Lucas Raymond still put up more points his sophomore season than the captain Dylan Larkin did. So by no means is, is this is the tale written for uh, Raymond after just a, a a down second year, not even a bad sophomore season, just. Worse just, than his rookie year. Right. Well, and again, like we, it's, it's very important to reiterate that with, this is not like, we're not saying that he performed at like a C minus level. This is strictly based off of preseason expectations. Cause we have to have a baseline somewhere. So like this is, you know, not all C minuses are the same when comparing and contrasting our grades to, to other people. Not all the, you know, the scale is, is for each player individually, and again, at, to your point, this is this season in a vacuum. This is not grading like Lucas Raymond's yeah. potential, right? Like this is very much just this season in a vacuum. He did not live up to what we expected out of him in the 2022-2023 season. And, and that's all this is. So, I, I mean, you and I, I don't want to speak for you, but I, I, I know that you and I are both very much still staunch believers in Lucas Raymond, his potential, what he can bring to this team. This is strictly this season uh, because, I, I mean, again, the, the goal scoring just wasn't there at the clip that, uh, that, that was expected of him this season. Yeah, absolutely. And it just comes down to, I mean, the biggest thing for me when giving him the C-, minus, which, again, C is like met expectations, right? Like they performed how we expected. I mean, our, we're not incredibly consistent we talked a little bit yesterday about how i'm a little bit biased towards david perron so i gave him like a higher grade than i probably should have right um but when it comes to lucas raymond the biggest reason why he gets a c minus is because teams figured him out and he didn't adjust that fast and again so young i'm not gonna hold him over the coals for that right? and got injured at one point i mean he's got, he got a whole off season out of to fix that yeah i i just think he's gonna get a lot better but you see players some players, they, teams figure them out and they adjust and they're able to adjust in the fly. But with him, the production just never, it didn't meet the rookie year. And that's, that's the biggest thing for me. It didn't, it didn't even match that. So that's why it's a C minus slightly below expectations. Yep. I agree. All right. I just feel like there's always such a long justification whenever you give like a, a, a lower tier grade to such a. No, I mean, and, and, yeah. And it's important to, for us to reiterate why, you know, our grading scale, because it is, uh, it, it is, you know, all, all over the place and it's not based on like other people that got the same grade. So, yeah. 
Um, anyways, we're going to take a quick break, Scotty. When we come back, we'll talk about Robbie Fabry. But uh, were you giving him a C minus two? Yeah. Okay. I just want to make sure. Um, but first, I got to talk to you guys today about Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious snack, but you don't want all the sugar and calories, then you need to try the best tasting protein bar ever. Built. You got to try this. If you're like me and you want to make healthier snack choices, but you don't want to compromise on the taste, then we got just the thing because Built Bars are healthy and taste amazing. Seriously, you got to try these things. They taste so amazing, you won't think they're good for you, but they are. What makes Built Bars so good is they're covered in 100% real dark chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they have unbelievable flavors like churro, which is Scotty's favorite. And it's right up there with me, but I still got to defer to the uh, cookie dough chunk puffs. Wrong. Those ones, my number. Churro's like a number two or three for me. The cookie dough chunk, pu- chunk puffs, chunk puffs. I kept saying chuck. Chunk puffs <laughs> are really, really good. I'm talking too fast. I got to slow down. Uh, if you're not sure, you just think about this, guys. They taste amazing, and they only have 130 calories with 4 grams of sugar and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now Built Bars aren't just at Built.com. You can still go there and get your full variety of flavors, but Walmart and Sam's Club have boxes with select flavors there. If you go to Walmart, you can get a 4-bar box with cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puff. Or if you go to Sam's Club, you can buy in bulk at a 13-bar box with hit flavors, brownie batter, and churro puff. That's where I got my Built Bars at. And the brownie batter is really good as well. So go to Sam's Club, go to BuiltBar.com, Built.com rather, and or go to Walmart. You guys won't regret it. Segment three, segment two. Wow, I'm all over the place this uh, afternoon. Uh, segment two, Locked on Red Wings podcast, Scotty. Let's move on now to talk about Robbie Fabry. Now, this is a really tough one to grade. And there's been a few guys like this who, Philip Zadina, for instance, who battled injury on and off again throughout the entire season. Fabry only played 28 games with the Red Wings, just barely kind of hitting that bar. Again, because our, our bar for grading players was had to finish the year with the Red Wings and have played at least 20 games. That was the line in the sand that we drew, and he played 28. He obviously missed the greater half of the season. I think he didn't come back until after the new year because he had his third ACL repair. After that, he played 28 games and then left again because he retweaked one of those knees. Not bad enough to require surgery, but they had him just sit out the rest of the season as a precaution. There was no structural damage, but they wanted to make sure he was okay. In those 28 games, he did amass 16 points, 7 goals, 9 assists, and was just a minus 1, while at the same time having the worst expected goals for percentage at 5-on-5 on the team at 39%. He performed performed a little better on the road than he did at home. I mean, there's so much to talk about. A smaller sample size with Fabry, but the results are kind of scattered all over the place. I mean, producing at over half point clip per game where half those points came pretty comfortably at five on five and half those came on the power play, but also only being a minus one while having the worst possession numbers of anyone at the team at five on five. It's just, it's really hard to give an accurate grade on this guy. And the one thing I can tell you for certain when talking about healthy Robbie fabric, because we're going to grade him on those 28 games not on an, a full 82 because you cannot fault him for injuries, right? That's what we say with every single guy who battled injuries this season. It's just hard to fault him for injuries. With Robbie Fabry, 
he is offensive zone oriented and is basically non-existent, non-existent defensively. Yeah. He's almost like, he's like Dominic Kubelik, but can also be a little bit of a playmaker in the offensive zone where Kubelik is purely a goal scorer. But what I mean by that is offensive zone first. As soon as that puck leaves the offensive zone, he just disappears because he provides next to nothing in the defensive zone. And I don't mean that to sound like a, you know, a, a, a butt, a, a jerk. That was a close but, call. Yeah, it was, it was a close call. <laughs> that was a close Score. call right that. there. I heard, I heard it. I heard that was a close call. But um, I, it's tough to give him a grade. It is tough. No, it's very tough. Um, you know, I, I think some of the reason why the stats are all over the place, some are really good, some are really bad, is if you were to pick one stretch of the season, one 28-game stretch of the season – to put someone to have the most ridiculous stats in, it would be the 28 or 6, whatever he ended up playing, 28 games that he played. Like you have January where the team struggled. You have February, which was like leading up to like deadline. And, you know, you went on that little bit of a heater where everybody's production kind of upticked. And and February's best month of the two and a half that he played was February. And then – you have like the beginning of March when like the collapse kind of started. Like if you were to pick <laughs> a, 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 the wildest 28 game stretch of the season, it might be literally the 28 games that he played. So I think that that probably has something to do with it, but that doesn't make it any less difficult to, to grade. I mean, obviously the injury is a big thing. Now it is important to note that the injury, the first injury was expected. So like somewhat when we're talking about expectations going into the year, we were aware that he was not going to play on opening night go uh, until after like January 1st, probably. That, w- that was abundantly clear. So that was at, at least when it comes to, you know, season expectations, we kind of, not that we were going to knock him for an injury anyway, but we didn't expect him to play until after January as is. Um, and it, it, it's tough because we didn't expect him to be a great defender, and he wasn't a good defender. Um, and the point production was pretty solid. I I, I kind of just want to maybe it's kind of like a <laughs> maybe it's 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 weak of me. Maybe I'm just like backing out of it. But I kind of just want to give him a C and just call it good. Like I don't, I don't really know. Where else to go? I, I I don't think that this was like a massive disappointment. Uh, yeah, yeah, we knew the defense wasn't there with him. Like that's not right, a surprise. Like, right, exactly. Like it, we we expected that defensively, and the point production was at over half a point a game clip. Uh, and then like the injury at the end of the season, we're not going to dock him for. So like I, I I don't really know where else to go. Like he didn't exceed anything. No, not not at all. But. He also wasn't like a shell of his former self out there. He was pretty much on par with what we're used to from him. So I I kind of just want to, you know, injury-riddled season. Hopefully he can get a full year under his belt next year. We have him for two more years still. Uh, and, and just kind of mark this one up as a, as a, I don't know, a C and or a mulligan. Yeah. I mean, you, you mentioned that he was – so last year in 56 games played, he uh, had – 30 points. I mean, he's in 28 games. He had 16 points. He was basically on pace for that. He's basically on pace for his season totals across 
as close to a full season as he's ever played. I mean, he's the most games he's ever played in a single season is 72 in his rookie year um, because he's always been riddled with injuries, but that's, that's the pace he's always scored at. I mean, the down year for him was 2018, 19, when he struggled to get into the lineup with St. Louis because of those injuries and their stacked uh, uh, a roster. So it's, I, I think I agree with you in the end. He gave us a kind of exactly in those 28 games, he gave us the Robbie Fabry we were expecting. And so I think C is fair, but how about this statistic? I was looking at splits and this it, in games, the Red Wings won. He had 11 points in 13 games in games that the Red Wings lost in regulation. He had three points in 13 games. So if Robbie Fabry scores, the Red Wings win. Yeah. That's a yeah, pretty wild stat. That. Who else was like that? Like drastically different? There was someone earlier. Maybe it was Michael Rasmussen. It was somebody somebody we graded earlier was kind of the same. Or maybe it was Berger. I don't know. I think it might have been Berger. But regardless, yeah, those, uh, those middle six players are like that a lot because you, you, know, you don't expect much from the fourth and you expect an idea to night out from the first. So those, those middle six are – uh, are, are very important to winning hockey games for sure. Uh, and speaking of not knowing what to expect uh, in segment three, we're going to talk about Austin Zarnick. So stay tuned to lockdown Red Wings <laughs> segment three, lockdown Red Wings podcast. It's actually segment three. Now um, me saying that isn't even a slight, just like a genuine, when they read, when the Red Wings signed Austin Zarnick in the off season, it was one of those depth moves where you're like, okay, if we see this player, we know that's because an injury has occurred and a lot of injuries occurred this season. And Austin Zarnick, I think, stepped up to the plate. And, you know, for a five foot nine, 30 year old who plays, been play, going to be playing mostly AHL games from here on out, I think he filled in pretty a, uh, amicably. I completely agree. I, 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 not only, he went on a stretch there too. There was a solid like week or week and a half where he, uh, I, I think they got like pretty solid yeah. production out of him down there. Actually, yeah. I mean, this was a. This is a guy who signed a two-year, two-way contract with the yeah. Detroit Red Wings and came up and filled in a, a depth position. I thought pretty dang well, considering. I mean, we talk about expectations, Scotty. Expectations were you're an AHL player unless someone gets hurt, and I thought right. he. I thought he was at least a replacement level player with the Red Wings. Uh, yeah, I thought he, uh, and again, like for, for a little bit of, a, of a, a solid stretch there, I thought he was above a replacement level player. Yeah, I, I really no issue going C plus here. I mean, if we just want to uh, to to throw it out there this early, like I, I think he was, he was sol- again, like you said, you expected AHL level talent. He came up, he filled that role nicely and wasn't uh, a, like traffic cone out there. Like he was actually pretty uh pretty productive at times so yeah i i, I think this is a, an instance where anything is something like it would it would have been really hard for austin zarnick to get like an f like because yeah uh, no matter what he did it was like all right well you know he, he started off in the ahl it's a two-way player but uh he gave you a little bit of production there so i mean i i'd go as far as giving him I, i'm gonna say i'll give him a b minus yeah because I don't, I don't hate it because zarnick and granted 300 minutes played in 29 games played is is a smaller sample size than guys like Michael Rasmussen or Dylan Larkin, but he finished of guys that we're grading. He finished sixth on the team and expected goals 4%. Yeah. And granted that it's still not above 50%. It's 48.84. So when he was on the ice, the team still saw more quality shot attempts against than quality shot attempts for, but to be sixth on this team still is something to right. be in the top 10 as a depth player to sign to a two way contract at the start of the year. 
I mean, when he was on the ice, he was noticeable in beneficial ways. He had he was like the the definition of like a heart and hustle type player. But when his type of player heart and hustles, it actually results in forcing turnovers and not, yeah. and and forcing giveaways. I mean, there was a lot of times where he got into the corners and he was able to do it. And I'm not trying to say Zarnik's like Michael Rasmussen. He's not. He's still a replacement level player in the end. But for a guy who was signed to a 700 league minimum two way contract, which means he gets a smaller salary in the minors. That's what two way contract means. He's getting paid like half of what he gets paid in the NHL when he's in the AHL. For him to come in and play 29 games and be actually a solid replacement level player, like let's be honest, better than Matt Luff, better than um, I, I'm trying Chase on. I mean, he was better than those guys, and he was signed to a two way contract. So I was I was impressed with Zarnik. I given his expectations, given the fact that his expectation was to literally like last ditch effort if this roster is decimated and he came in and he was a positive relative to his teammates on the ice on a two way contract. Yeah, B minus for me. I and you could I mean again we talk about like biases. Yeah, I'm a little biased for Zarnik. I loved what I saw out of this kid. I'll be honest, and I say kid, he's three years older than I am, but like. I, I absolutely loved what Zarnik brought to the team. I, I thought he was super fun to watch uh, when he performed. And, oh, my God, I just filtered this to relative Scotty, his, his, like, relative to his teammates. He finished fourth on the team, expected goals for percentage relative, with a positive 6.2% relative to his teammates. So when he was on the ice, the team produced 6% more quality shot attempts for than quality shot attempts against when he was off the ice. Like that's, that's a guy on a two-way contract. Yeah. Now I'm starting to think I should give him higher than a B minus, but I'm going to stop myself before I get ahead of myself. <laughs> that's yeah. Who's yeah. <laughs> playing against the other team's fourth line too. But, um, but yeah, no, I mean, he was, he was great. He was great, man. He, like I said, filled a role and, and did it, I think better than, than what most people were expecting. And, and again, like it's worth reiterating, you know, we just gave Austin Zarnick a C plus. We gave Raymond a C minus. That's like aren't comparable things. Like yeah, rel- again, relative to their individual. Right. Relative to their individual, like ev- everything's in a vacuum. <laughs> These aren't things that you can compare player to player because it's not the same scale player to player. And I can already hear stay. people freaking out about it. So I wanted to get ahead of the curve there. And of course, like these are our arbitrary grades. So our biases, even though we're trying to stay objective as much as possible, if we have biases, they might leak through a little bit like my David Perron yesterday. Like he, he, he was as expected and as advertised, but hell he had 56 points second best on the team. So I'm going to give him a B grade, you know? like Yeah. I mean, let's just grade Giovanni Smith right now. I mean, that's an A that's an easy A. Okay. Well, so in his two games played, I'm glad you brought that up in his two games played at the Red Wings before getting traded. Uh, he was the best player on the team, expected goals for percentage relative, 17% in those two games. So, A. I mean, he only he played less than 20 minutes with the Red yep. Wings this season. Yep, uh, no, that's fine. That's an A. Well, I want to see. No, 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 it's overall. fine. It's an A. Should uh, get my jersey. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised you just don't have it hanging up in the background at any given time. <laughs> I want to wear it. <laughs> <laughs> but, all right. What was your grade on Zarnik again? I hadn't any write it down. Uh, C plus. C plus. All right, cool. Uh, let's see. You guys voted. Here are your results of our grades from our grading poll from yesterday. Andrew Kopp, 47% on 108 votes, voted a C for Andrew Kopp, while 41% of you guys voted B 
So I was actually surprised by that one. Maybe it's a vocal minority, but I was expecting a lot more C's for, I mean, granted that's what won, but still majority 41% to 47% that voted B was. Yeah. I mean, mean, we talked about it like recent, not, I don't want to say recency bias, but like he did end the year strong. So like stronger at least. Uh, and then David Perron, 42% of you gave an A, 49% gave a B. And I read that and I said, maybe I'd still, maybe a B minus was still too low for him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, like, again, it. like when, when that's a weird one where we talked about it yesterday as well, but if you just put his numbers in a vacuum, it's going to be different than if you're looking at what he did relative to the rest of the team. Like yeah. that, those are, you know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, these are normal David Perron numbers. Oh, this is the second best offensive weapon on your team. It's yeah. a much different conversation. And I mean, yeah. if you if you if you're grading him compared to with his teammates, then yeah, he's like a B plus because he yeah, he might even player. be like an A minus. I mean, yeah. You know what? We got whole offseason. Let's do all our player grades again. <laughs> this time compared to their teammates. No, I'm just kidding. I won't subject. Absolutely you guys to not. That. Uh, but 49% voted Perron an A or a B, and 42% gave him an A. So he's like a solid B plus. Yeah. Um, and then Jordan Osterle, 48% of you guys voted him a C, while 33% gave him a D, which I think is pretty, I think that's pretty in line. I like a C minus type grade for Jordan Osterle. I think that's fair. That's what I gave him. You gave him a C. So, yeah. That's right along there. Uh, anyways, tomorrow we're going to have a, a fun episode for you guys uh, talking about whether or not the Red Wings should bring back. Tyler Bertuzzi octopus thrower wrote an interesting article where they think that the Red Wings should shell out the money to bring back the 28 year old winger. And uh, we're going to talk about it, break it down for you. Give us, give uh, you guys our thoughts, but also in the meantime, in the comments, grade the players that we graded today. Let us know what you think. Uh, If we're off base, if you think we're completely wrong, go ahead and say it. I'm used to it. Scotty tells me I'm wrong all the time. You're gonna, are you gonna tell me I'm wrong on that too? You're right. All right, cool, cool, cool. That'll be a Friday episode. I'm excited. (laughs) It'll be a fun one. Yeah, we'll be back with a new episode tomorrow. Scotty, any final thoughts? We ball, we ball. Uh, Same time, same place. So your team, every day, every day.